So cover crops to the rescue. Controlling herbicide resistant weeds. Now that title may sound a little bit presumptuous, uh, but I will say that I am confident now in making a statement that yes, indeed, cover crops can be part of the management strategy for weeds that have become resistant to herbicides. Uh, and I also will clarify, it's not gonna eliminate herbicides. I'm not, not going that far. Uh, what I am saying is that it's part of the management strategy of these resistant weeds. So uh, I just thought I would uh, check a little bit on what is out there on the internet and uh, did a, a search on herbicide resistant weeds. And as expected, there's quite a bit of, uh, of results. Yeah, there's a lot of results. 107,000 results came up like, like instantly. Um, so then I took it a step further and I typed in, um, I, I typed in herbicide resistant weeds and then I added cover crops and that got down to 17,000 results. So about eh, 17, 18% there. So there, there's the, the term herbicide resistant weeds and cover crops is in the same article. So that just goes to show you again, just to try to kind of back up my claim here that cover crops can no doubt be a part of the solution. The big three is I'm going to list them here is mare's tail. And I put that at the top because I believe that was the first herbicide resistant weed to glyphosate uh, going way back to the early 2000s to start in Delaware, migrated into my neck of the woods here in southeastern Pennsylvania. I, I'm going to guess, you know, 15 years ago. So I've been dealing with this. Um, I'm, I'm just going to say it has not been a big issue. We've learned how to manage them. Yes, cover crops are a part of that. Uh, water hemp and uh, Palmer is not coming to my area, although I got to say I did find a confirmed water hemp in my flower bed, uh, my wife's flower bed, maybe I should clarify, right by the house. The only way we figure it could have got there is through some mushroom compost that we had been getting. So uh, the fact that I am indeed bringing in mushroom compost means that I'll probably get it here in my farm here one of these years. Uh, but anyway, uh, some other ones, some people are listing lamb's quarter is resistant to some herbicides. And I, I'm here to tell you that it, it, it's difficult to control with glyphosate. I always mix something else with glyphosate. Uh, almost regardless of what I'm doing, um, just to be able to uh, to hedge against that and to not select for that even here on my own farm. And there's other weeds out there. We can list a whole bunch that are resistant to different chemistry. So uh, it's just a fact of Mother Nature. Mother Nature uh, will, will, will just try to get around the things we throw at it. And uh, maybe to put this in perspective, Someone said, well, if we start rolling these cover crops and uh, maybe the weeds will change, even though we can control some of them with rolling, maybe that will change and the weeds will evolve to be able to survive during rolling. And the actual, actually, that theory is very plausible because I'll tell you, when I went from tillage to no tillage, the weeds shifted on my farm. So as we go through these different systems, I mean, you know, some people get all bent out of shape about herbicides being resistant, and that's just the worst thing that ever happened. Well, 
okay. It's just kind of normal. And I think we all agree that glyphosate, in particular, the biggest culprit here, has been overused. And uh, so here I'm, I'm saying there's no surprises there uh, in this. So uh, I'll just give you another perspective too. There, I, I just feel there gotta be somebody. Probably there's dozens and dozens of scientists working feverishly to try to come up with some new chemistry, uh, even though there hasn't a lot been coming out. But um, you know, it certainly hasn't certainly hasn't taken the wind out of my sails in agriculture. Uh, this whole issue, but the reality of it is, it is a big deal and deserves attention. So I also, uh, I do collect articles and some of you that follow me on Facebook and so forth and Twitter know that I post them once in a while. There certainly has been some articles out there in the news media. This is one that was in Farm Futures talking about the way uh, cover crops can help uh, control herbicide resistant weeds. Uh, there's another one here in the corn soybean digest. There's a pretty cool picture there. Just showing you what uh, cereal rye done in this case, for whatever reason that, that that rye was left go to seed, but there you can see that there definitely was a a difference there. And one of the articles that I wrote for the American Agriculturalist as well, uh, and I've talked about it here, and you've uh, you're going to see this here in a second here, where um, there's uh, the mayor's tail issue. We can indeed control it uh, with with cover crops. But I think it's also interesting to look at the survey that the CTIC and the SARE people have done. There's a couple charts here I just wanted to show you. Um, and he, one of the questions was, uh, are, are you seeing improved weed control for herbicide resistance uh, uh, by using cereal rye? And 31% said no, uh, okay. And about a quarter said always control and 44% sometimes. So that is a positive uh, that's, that's a positive uh, research, I guess you'd say, from the interviews and everything they've done for that, and, and knowing that there's actually a trend that's gone on out there. There's something to be said about that. Another thing is talked about which which uh, cover crops help control herbicide resistant weeds. Well, in this case, the cover crop mixes one out, uh, according to this survey, and it was a couple hundred people, by the way. Uh, and then you can just look along there and see uh, what 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 the different uh, cover crops were. I would say that cereal rye is probably most well-known, particularly cereal rye before soybeans. Even though it's not the top of the list here, I would have to say, just from everything I hear and so forth, that that is probably, uh, is I would say, one of the leading ones to help control that. So um, some of the reasons that people reported here um, to say, well, how do they take this knowledge? What do they do with this knowledge? What do they do with this effect? And by far, the most people say they haven't really changed their herbicide program. It's just that they get better weed control following cover crops. And <clears throat> again, I think that's pretty much what I'm hearing. Uh, there's, uh, if you look in the far right, there's a few people have reduced their herbicide rates. I would say I'm in that camp. I'm one of the minority there, but um, just just there's no doubt about it that there's an effect that are out there. So how does it work? I, I mean, you know, what what does it work? Is this suppression, allelopathy? Uh, what what all does it work? Or is it diversity by growing a cover crop or a mix that brings beneficials beneficial insects? And there's even um, some theories out there. Well, I guess it's beyond the theory. 
where uh, the insects can actually eat seeds. There's predatory, there's insects that actually eat weed seeds that are out there. And it's kind of like trying to bring balance back to nature. So even though that's a minor thing, it's, I thought it was worth noting. Uh, but suppression is up there at the top because that's probably by far the biggest, uh, I guess you'd say, effect or how it actually works. That it just suppresses the uh, weeds from growing. The cover crops are planted and they grow faster than the weeds at a certain time of the year. I know with mare's tail, that's indeed the case where they mare's tail tends to germinate in the fall. So if you have a cereal rye or cover crop planted in good time in the fall, the mare's tail just doesn't have a chance. Uh, we have to talk about leliopathy a little, and there's no doubt about it. There are, is some of that. Um, Aleliopathy is, is a tricky thing. It's, it's been kind of allocated in different, different, different ways. We, I, I guess I'll say, I believe there's certainly an element out there that um, it actually does uh, work uh, and so forth. But uh, it's not something that you can, I guess, really count on every year. Uh, and there's reasons for that. I've studied this a little bit. It's a chemical produced mainly in cereal rye, others as well, but mainly in cereal rye. And depending on when it rains, when it decomposes, how it leaks out of that will depend on how the control is. So I guess the definition of alleliopathy, at least that works for me, I wouldn't mind hearing some maybe other uh, perspectives on it. Alleliopathy is, is like spraying a weak herbicide on your field. You just don't know for sure if it's going to work or not. Uh, but nonetheless, it's definitely worth uh, mentioning. I'm going to pause here a second. And um, before I go on, I got, I got some more stuff here to share quite a bit, actually. But is there any comments that anybody would have uh, basically what I said or how, does, how do cover crops work in, uh, in helping to suppress herbicide resistance weeds? I'd, I'd welcome any comments or questions that anybody has. Anybody? Well, I think one of the things, Steve, this is Dan, uh, yeah. is, is the competition. Uh, mm. it's, you get them out there established that uh, it can prevent yeah. some of those weeds from taking off. Yeah, right. And I think that's why the mixes scored very well on that survey for that very fact. And I could probably list suppression and composition uh, competition almost in the same you know, yeah. they could probably put that underneath there, but but yeah, you're exactly right. It's it's competition, and it comes back to this theory, and I'll just say it this way: Mother Nature wants to grow something, and it's you know Mother Nature is trying to grow something that cover the earth, and we're just trying to grow our own food in the context of that, and how can we manage it so that we can, as I heard some people say, grow the weeds we want. Because uh, some people say the cover crops are a weed, and they say, well, okay, if you want to say they're weed, that's fine. Well, let's just grow the weeds we want, or let's grow the cover crops that we want to grow that are the most effective, that can beat out, that can be the most competitive, give us the most suppression, give us the most alleliopathy so that we can grow our cash crops. So other comments or questions up to this point? Yeah, Steve, I'd agree with that about the weeds and yeah, mm -hmm. really, you start looking at the root structures of different weeds, like, for instance, uh, water hemp, and you see that it's got a 
deep taproot on it, but then also towards the surface, it's pretty fibrous, you know, so mm -hmm. it's really trying to uh, yeah. heal the soil as well. So mm -hmm. it, it's, I don't know, I've, I've taken a completely different outlook on weeds and, and kind of why they're there instead of, well, it's a weed and we've got mm -hmm. to kill it. You know, what's it trying to do? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, I, I'll just give you a, this is maybe a little off topic here, but we were cutting, uh, before we came, came on here today, we were talking about the forage I'm cutting right now. Cutting a 13-way mix of uh, mainly sorghum, sedan grass, sun hemp, cowpeas, soy soybeans, uh, forage soybeans. But you know, I saw very, very little weeds. But I saw a morning glory here and there. I saw um, a velvet leaf here and there. I saw some weedy grasses here and there, less than one percent. And you know, I thought it doesn't matter in this situation. It's gonna there's feed value there. Now I don't think there's very much feed value in a velvet leaf, but then I guess it's pretty young. And when that goes in the feed trough, um, for the most part, the cattle are going to eat most of those weeds. So there is some value there. And they're all, I was cutting them all before they went to seed. So again, this is just a, a, a concept I'm just talking about uh, in, in being able to kind of work with Mother Nature in this case when you can. Other comments before we move on? Okay, some of the other ideas here in the in the context of our our topic is uh, some of the strategies <coughs> is uh, to rotate cash crops. I mean, when, and I'm I'm I don't know. I'm becoming a little bit more dogmatic, I guess, uh, in in challenging farmers that you just got to move 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 on from a corn bean rotation. Uh, if, if you're going to, if you're going to want to get healthy soil and get a, um, <clears throat> and, and, and to tackle some of these issues, growing a small grain and using cover crops, uh, is, is certainly a good idea. And, and, and again, I don't want to offend the corn bean growers. I understand the, the ramifications there and, you know, who am I? I'm not from the I States, but, uh, regardless uh, I get around and I meet people from the I states and other corn bean states that you're you're starting to see these pockets of farmers who are mix mixing it up a little bit, and that this discussion has to come up when we're talking about resistant weeds because we have selected for these, and you know we look and we say, well, you know, herbicides aren't working anymore. Well, okay, we've selected for that. We've set ourselves up for that, and and we have to. You know, really look at a new paradigm of farming here, uh, and and again, I it goes all the way to policy and U.S. agriculture and all that stuff. Well, hey, it's time to start working. I do my part. I work. I do where I can, uh, in in trying to influence policy and so forth. So, some of these strategies here are are definitely going to have to get out of our comfort zone a little bit, maybe to to use them. So. I just put a, a, a one, um, you might think I'm biased here. I'm putting up some Penn State research. Uh, but I know they've look at, looked at herbicide-resistant weeds and no-till soybeans and how to integrate cover crops. There's a whole story in there. If you want to look it up, just Google that right there. Uh, and there are universities looking at this in the context of cover crops. Not many, but there are some out there. So, uh, again, I'm just trying to give support for the premise here that this is a very viable option to use cover crops in that. So uh, a lot of you know that uh, last week I was in Kansas and then ended up in uh, Indiana. 
And I got to tell you, uh, with with the wet weather they've had in the last month in Kansas, boy, those herbicide-resistant weeds have reared their ugly heads. And this is actually a pretty nice field. Um, uh, but it was uh, well over 50% of the fields, I, th I thought, are going to be present some challenges maybe at harvest or have to wait till frost. It was that bad. Um, now I did drive across Southern Illinois into Indiana and, and, and I, I, I'm just going to say that uh, we control looked a little bit better there, but you know, it's just kind of interesting in the late nineties, you could always tell the roundup ready fields cause they were the clean fields. And then in the early two thousands, the roundup ready fields started to become the weedy fields. Well, now the dicamba fields are the clean fields. And I'm going to mention this a little bit later on, talk about that. Uh, but um, nonetheless, I saw a lot of resistant weeds last week. And um, this here is actually a picture of a wheat field that was just left growing up. And there is a bunch of resistant weeds in there. They're not all resistant. I don't think this was sprayed at all. This was wheat stubble, okay? And because of the wet weather, I mean, you would never think this was Kansas in August. But they've had like eight inches out there in August. And uh, Kansas was really green. And uh, I actually saw this field. Uh, it'll come up here in a second. But um, this is a field that I stopped and looked at. It was herbicide-resistant weeds that were so bad that it looks like they sprayed uh, Gramoxone on it to burn it off completely because it was a total loss. Now, um, Brent Jones was on here two weeks ago from Iowa. I think it was Brent Jones, or was that? I'm not sure. Maybe it was. Maybe it was you, Brent Larson. I'm not sure. I uh, I, I, I I get you guys mixed up sometimes when I see you here. Uh, Brent, can you confirm? Was that you, or was that uh, your your other buddy out there uh, that talked about your neighbor's uh, soybean field? I don't know if you can get on or not, Brent. But um, yeah, it was uh, it was yeah. Brent. Okay, so. Basically, um, I believe, if I recall, it was 150 acres of soybeans they rotary mowed because they gave up. There was too many uh, resistant weeds. And um, they had, like, uh, a, a, I don't know, I think it was like 50 acres where they had no-tilled into cereal rye. And it wasn't like it was 100% control, but it was very decent beans. They're going to get a decent crop. So right there, cover crops, in that case, <coughs> Save the, save the day for the guy. Now, he could have maybe used some other herbicide strategies, but there he said that was a farmer who wasn't really interested in cover crops, but now is. So uh, I will say that this whole deal of cover crops being more uh, consistent and controlling some of these herbicide-resistant weeds has gotten more farmers to be uh, innovative in or interested, I should say, in cover crops. Uh, this is another wheat field in Kansas. Um, I'm not sure what it looked like a grass type thing was growing there, but basically that was sprayed at least once. So that was another method to try to keep uh, resistant weeds under control. But there again, you got nothing growing there. I don't like that. Um, so uh, again, that's that's it. That is a strategy to control them. But I'd rather grow a competitive crop. Um, this picture you see is not a great picture because it was the corner of a field. I wish I would have took the time to get a better one. On the lower right, you can see some soybeans that have resistant weeds in. In the background was a wheat field that they had planted sorghum sudan and sun hemp. 
Now, it looks a little rough because the left side of the picture, that was where they had loaded out and there was compaction and everything. But just take my word for it. Uh, <laughs> they uh, basically had a, a really nice stand of sorghum sedan in there that they were going to take out off for forage uh, very soon. So, again, an option to help control uh, resistant weeds right there. Now, the other one was where, uh, you know, we talked about growing a competitive cover crop. Here is growing a competitive cover crop with your cash crop. In this case, again, Kansas, growing 30-inch milo, but they had drilled in various cover crops uh, before, uh, like a day before or right before they did the milo. And uh, mung beans and forage, uh, forage soybeans, I believe it was, even some zinnia flowers or some marigolds in there to help attract beneficials. And we saw lots of beneficials in there. Uh, so here... I asked why couldn't they just mix in the milo because the, the heads go above it and they can cut it, but they have a lot of them are 30 inch heads. Plus that helps us to push down the other cover crop there uh, while they're harvesting. So being from Pennsylvania, I don't have a clue how to grow milo. So I learned a little few things right there. Now, what was interesting is no fertility here and, and no herbicides. Now there was some resistant weeds yeah, or there were some weeds, I'll just say, growing in there, and some of them would have been resistant to chemistry, uh, but not many. It wasn't bad. It was it was not like pure, but uh, but anyway, just just goes to show you what some of the ideas and strategies are out there trying to help control resistant weeds. And this whole thing of companion cropping is starting to catch hold in certain areas. Well, one thing I want to say is that cereal rye is probably the most popular cover crop to use uh, for for uh, before soybeans, I should say, to control these resistant weeds. And as far as, well, okay, I want to do that. Well, how should I do it? Well, what's my seeding rate? Well, that's going to depend on the date you plant. The earlier, the less the seeding rate, the later, the more. What's your fertility? All these factors enter in. But just start thinking about if you can get in early the month of September, um, I also should say here, it depends where you're located, but I just give you some general information about a bushel of rye before in, in the month of September. Some people go all the way down to 40 pounds, but you need enough there to keep the shade and so forth. So it, de it depends a little bit. Just use a bushel to get started and then go from there. Uh, if your ground is highly fertile, maybe you want to keep it a little lower, lower fertility, maybe a little higher. And then as we get into October, you start bumping up the seeding rate till you might get up to two bushels by the end of October. Uh, and some people will push it even up to three bushels in November. So uh, as we were discussing beforehand, cereal rye is in very short supply this year. So um, there, I'm sure there's going to be some rationing of seeds, uh, and not everybody is going to get that wants it. So just a word out there, if you don't know that, get your cereal rye uh, ASAP. Now, I've showed this uh, next picture here at least once before, but I had to put it in again here about uh, some work I did in my farm. And this was with mainly hairy vetch was the primary crop. There's some crimson clover in there as well. Uh, on the left-hand side is where the cover crop was planted. On the right, no cover crop, just some uh, what, what just some weeds had grown up. This was sprayed out as a burned down at planting and no residual put down. And you can see how the mare's tail on the right side survived the burn down. And on the left, again, 
cover crop plots, no resistant mare's tail. And this was in one of my uh, research plots there that uh, uh, where I uh, um, <clears throat> had done this for four years. This was the fourth year of cover crops and the fourth year of no cover crops. And what you need to know is that there, there was just no mare's tail there at all in any of the cover crop plots. And just to give you perspective, uh, about 15 feet wide by 300 feet long. So not big, but you can see the pressure on the other side of the screen there of how, how that did affect that. So using cereal rye is one of the go-to ones, and you're going to get a little bit more effect then when you let it grow a little longer, and as long as you can. And if you need to dry out your soil, that works perfect. If it's dry and there's no rain in sight, then you're going to have to burn it off probably sooner rather than later. But um, in this case here, I'm planting corn, 15-inch corn, into this. I'm going to show you a picture here in a little bit. And uh, we've needed very little herbicide. So this is the kind of cover you need if you're going to be able to do that. And you have to have equipment that is, is able to uh, plant through that. Um, <clears throat> so, again, you could plant soybeans in there. And it would be very, uh, very, very helpful, very beneficial in keeping the resistant weeds down. So uh, that's just become uh, extremely popular in, able, in being able to, to do that. So my picture's not coming up. There it comes. Uh, and, and there's just how you can, that's, that's what you, you can expect out of that. So pretty much no-brainer, planting soybeans into a burn down or a roll down, burn down, whatever, cereal rye. It's going to really help you. That's the place to start if you're really looking to manage these herbicide-resistant weeds. And just getting back, reflecting back to my picture of that corn that I was planting, uh, it was planted in 15-inch rows, and this is for silage, and no residual herbicides. And I did come back and plant, excuse me, uh, do a little post-emergence on the bottom part of that field. That's a burr cucumber coming in, and that's, a, that's an evil weed that uh, had to spray a little bit there, but uh, this is what's possible. And this is beyond just herbicide resistant weeds. This is actually, you know, pretty much full weed control. I don't do this near all my acreage, but there, when, when things align, I'll say you had a good cover crop, it can work and it certainly is a tactic that can be used. And finally, I just wanna wrap up here. Uh, I mentioned winter killed cover crops. This case is radishes. Um, the, 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 the radishes and oats are good for this and they will definitely keep your weeds down, but they start breaking down pretty early and there could be some mare's tail escapes come out of there that would germinate in the spring and some palmer and, and, um, and so forth, but they can help. Now on either side of this picture or that their drill pass down there is winter annuals. We're not talking about that today, but I did want to throw that in there that winter killed cover crops can help. So I wanna finally end up here about what I'm gonna call the dicamba conundrum. Yep, dicamba beans, extend beans, that works. Um, that's the cleanest bean fields out there now. You can pretty much say when you see a perfectly clean field, it was a dicamba field. Uh, but boy, the drift, the drift complaints are continuing this year. That was a big topic in Kansas when I was out there last week. Uh, even the city of Wichita, uh, well, there was gardeners complaining about 
uh, about drift. And I know when things get in the news that it can get out of control and people don't even know what they're looking at. Maybe it was the wet weather that caused their tomato to die. And that can happen. But there was people at the meeting, like one of the organizers of the meeting said that dicamba was spraying the fields around and they lost all their tomatoes, all their stuff. They lost one of their peach tree or one of their fruit trees. I'm not sure if it was peaches, but they're like, you know what? They they weren't really going to complain because they understand it's out there, but it's it's a problem. Um, the the whole thing about getting drift retardants and everything, yeah, that helps, but um, the, the 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 problem is, and these we're we're spraying during a time of year when it's warmer or almost hot, and the the drift, the inversions that occur, uh, dicamba is not the total answer. It's part of the answer. It's not the total answer. So I'm just going to say that uh, I'm just going to wrap up here. I'll open this up here in a second. But um, the cover crops are definitely also what I'm going to say are part of the answer uh, to managing these herbicide uh, resistant weeds. So I just unmuted everyone. Uh, get your questions ready. I want to tell you, too, that uh, we are not going to have a webinar next week because I'll be in South Africa leaving this Thursday, getting back Saturday a week. And when I get back, I plan to <clears throat> talk about things that I learned from that trip. So it'll be two weeks from today, September 11th, is when I'm going to uh, talk about that. So uh, what are your questions today? Uh, what would you like to talk about? What, what uh, or any comments that you might have? Anybody? Steve, talking about that dicamba. Here in Illinois, yeah. we got some timely rains this year where we didn't see as much damage on like the Liberty beans or even some non-GMO beans uh, mm -hmm. in pockets. Some areas had more damage than others, but once we got the rains, you didn't even notice them anymore. But the mm -hmm. one thing is, is that in the state, the Department of Natural Resources actually been watching some of the tree lines and some trees that started to die uh, or yeah. have leaf kill here. like three hmm. weeks after uh, the application was made and uh, nurses starting to really wow. take note on that. So are you saying that from the, basically you had a decent year, not too bad in Illinois, your area, but they're, they're looking at maybe what we'll call secondary uh, issues. Is that what you're saying, David? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it, there, it's still an issue with Liberty beans or whatever. Yeah. Um, and it's scaring a lot of people from using it next year even. Um, the beans just, uh, when we caught rains, we caught rains every week compared to last year, and they were just outgrowing the symptoms, um, so we weren't seeing I it see. too bad. Uh, and then you, you yeah. also had you know, the other chemical dealers and everybody out, the Monsanto's and everybody telling them, uh, well, that's a yeah. AMS issue with your liberty or, or something else. You know, everybody oh. was... Trying to point the finger at everybody else, point you know, fingers. whenever you're pointing the finger at one person, you got to remember there's three more pointing back at yourself, too. Yep. Um, my, actually, yeah. the best success I had with guys using dicamba, I told them, you know, use the water, use your drift control product, don't put anything else in with it if they're going in to do a rescue treatment on water hemp or something like that. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I had no off-target movement with that application mm -hmm. compared to when they were okay. throwing in anything else with it. So I'm wondering if there okay. isn't something to do with that, but that's just hypothetical too. Yeah. Well, I'm sure they're going to figure some things out, but this, this is not going to be a, 
the the fix. I, I would have to say, um, you know, I know they're going to work on some stuff, but uh, one of the things that that I heard uh, one of my trip last week was some farmers were planting dicamba beans simply to to protect themselves from their neighbor. They weren't even planning on using it on their beans. They were just using it as a kind of an insurance against drift. And I yeah, thought that absolutely. was kind of interesting to hear. So Yeah, there's a lot of that that, that happens around. You get down south of 64 and there's more vineyards wow. and stuff like that down there. And that's, that becomes a really, really touchy subject of using dicamba. And that's probably more uh, liberty in the state of Illinois than yeah. Than dicamba. Yeah. Uh, talking about okay. Kansas, I actually worked out in Kansas there oh, a couple of years uh -huh. ago for a year. And man, that was yeah. before dicamba and, and even before they even started mm. using Liberty out there. And mm. you want to talk about some nasty fields. I mean, there's fields mm. they just couldn't take to harvest because yep. the Palmer issue was so bad out there. Yep. 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 So, Bob, Bob from Western New York, you actually uh, have a vineyard. Are you uh, worried about, are there any soybeans in your neighborhood? Is that an issue for you? There's very little soybeans in the neighborhood. And like okay. e products are outlawed in our area. You can't, okay. nobody can use them. Okay, that's because you're a vineyard area, right? Yeah. Yep. Gotcha. Yep. yep. Well, that, I understand that. Uh, that's probably, that's a good thing. I'm sure you're agreeing to that one, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, well, it really works good for us with our mare's tail is, uh, um, the rely products right now okay the i mean the cover crop really knocks most of it down and the rye mm -hmm. rely cleans it up and sometimes you wonder if we're making out real good or not until you look at a neighbor's vineyard and oh. we're making out really good with the cover crops and the rely okay, okay. yep good dan you were gonna say something well yeah there's some of the fields that i looked at in in Illinois, they had it definitely, uh, I'll call it dicamba volatilization, mm -hmm. uh, but it was sprayed fairly early, so mm -hmm. the beans were cut, but they they grew out of it, and mm -hmm. uh, you know, of course, the farmer was wanting compensation, and it was like, oh, oh no, yeah. no. You know, he may be looking at seventy bushel yeah. beans. He said, "But yeah, I would have had seventy-two. But well, but maybe. Back, well, yeah. Well, okay. Go ahead, Dan. Finish well, up. Well, I was going to say it's it's. We know that sometimes the back in the old days of Cobra, that yeah. I mean, yeah. you yeah. you got a yield increase from dinging them, right? Uh, but it's all about the timing. Uh -huh. But I talked to a few folks fairly high up and. I, I'd like to pose this to the group of, you know, do they, is, is Dicamba going to be around in 2019? Because right now it's, it, when I'm hearing is it's, it's on the fence. Is that right? Well, that question was posed at Kansas in a small group. I was in a private group with small group of farmers and the, the one, the one gentleman had been uh, 20 years. He was an applicator. So he come from that, side of it and, and he said yes it's going to be around that was his perspective uh, so i don't know i'll just put it out there for whatever it's worth um, no i agree and, and part of it is is okay we take it off mm. not then what yeah and but but this off target uh yeah. damage i yeah. just you just can't ignore it yeah 
Yeah. So, uh, Lauren, are you on? Are you able to get on, Lauren? Didn't you have uh, some drift on your beans or something from a neighbor? What was your story? I, I, I think there was something out there, right, Lauren? Yeah, I just jumped in here late. But last yeah. year, we pretty much every acre had uh, some degree of drift. And uh, the biggest thing i seen is where there was undue stress. Sorry about that. Okay. Yep. But, yep. Go ahead. Undue stress. But uh, had, you know, wherever we had, like, water running over the field or from the neighbor that drifted me is where there, it was zero. But then uh, the rest of the field where there wasn't undue stress, it actually helped the yield, I think. So okay, so I, I heard that I heard a few reports of that, but nobody's going to admit to that. Well, that that goes back <laughs> to you know I was very cautiously you know I didn't want to approach the neighbor even though everybody was telling me because you know I've heard that and I've seen it you know and I, I guess I'm you know I'm the kind of person if I'm going to contact somebody I want to know there's a problem for sure and you know if right. I would contacted him and made a big deal out of it. Mm -hmm. And then I, you know, I'll, I'll freely tell anybody, you know, we probably gained one to two bushel an acre where it didn't kill the beans. Do I pay him one to two bushel an acre on them beans? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably not. Uh, it's not usually it, the way it works. But, you know, as far as it being around, I'm, I'm going to say it'll be around, but they're just going to keep tightening the noose on it, you know, and I hope they didn't ruin it for the corn guys. That's going to be the biggest, biggest question. It's oh, yeah. a good if we don't misuse it yeah Lauren do you have any other uh, comments I know you weren't on most of the topic but uh, any other comments on how you see cover crops being used to control herbicide resistant weeds well that, that the big thing I see in, on my own here is you know we're, we're maintaining a residue mat and you know if we don't disturb the soil we don't have weeds you know, so the, the right. better yep residue map the less weed issues we have it keeps all weeds down yep yep yeah that's okay yep this awesome. year is a sample we uh you know we planted almost a full month later than normal and with biology kicking uh -huh. we had more bare dirt than mm -hmm. i ever had and it, it's yeah, just yeah it's up the ante on the weed control spectrum for us i mean we had to change everything this year yeah so. yeah i i feel for you delorean i've had that same Mine, uh, you know, you, it's, it's a moving target. Yep. This whole thing of, uh, is a moving target, and sometimes you cannot predict. It's like, you know, you know how far to lead a duck when you're trying to shoot it, but it's even worse than that in what we're trying to do, especially if you're really aggressive, and I, like I know you are. And I've had to change the cover, my cover crop mixes to adjust for an increased biological activity that, that occurs. And no. it's a wonderful thing, but sometimes sometimes you get behind, and sometimes it's totally out of your control, like you said, the weather. But that's that's farming, so you live and you learn. So, other people, questions, comments? Hey, Brent Larson from Brent. Iowa. I've you know, heard yeah. we need about 6,000 tons of biomass to get uh, weed control from the from the cover crop. Uh, what do other people think mm -hmm. about that, and, and is, a, is a bushel of rye? If you drill it enough to get that 6,000 um, uh, pounds of biomass, or, or is it, uh, do you need more than, uh, wh just what do people think about that? What what rate of biomass do you think you need? I've just heard that 6,000 pound number in the past. 
Okay, anyone else want to weigh in? I'll let anyone else, then I'll give you my perspective. Others? Lauren here, I'd say tell me what Mother Nature's going to do, and then you'll know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or mean, as Dan Towery would say, it depends. Yeah. Well, there you go, there you go. And, and, but but 6,000, 6, I think, if, if you're – Weed control is one of your top three priorities. Generally speaking, that that that's about right. And but but are you going to get that? Well, you know, last year, uh, even if you planted it uh, fairly timely, probably didn't get it. Uh, so, but most years is you know if you can get the CRI out there early enough, that should be adequate but it's it's you know your farm and you know tweak it try some higher rates try some lower rates uh see what works yep. for you and, and lauren brought up a good point he said he was a month later this year and and that gave more time for the biology to eat up some of the stuff that was i guess terminated or from previous whatever and it depends if you have something growing growing there i think uh, brent to answer your question 6,000 pounds is a good target, but that's not going to be your answer every year. I've had, I've had double that. Uh, and, and we were trying some no-till organic for a neighbor and it, 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 it was wet and it broke down. It was, it was more, in this case, there was, there was more hairy vetch in it. And again, I know, I think you said cereal rye, which is different, but it broke down uh, too quick and weeds started coming through. Uh, so what happens, like, like Lauren says, you tell him what the weather is and, and, and he'll, he'll give you an answer. But I think 6,000 is in the ballpark, but some, some years, you know, it depends when you measure it too, but some years that's going to be plenty. Some years that won't be enough. So I, I think, I, I guess it just brings up the overall, uh, what, what would I say? The overall trend or whatever in this whole thing we're talking about cover crops is there is no specific cookie cutter approach to almost anything we talk about. And uh, th that's why I am not going to be an organic farmer because I still want the tools in my toolbox that uh, again, and we control is one of those tools that I'm using less herbicides but to go totally without them or there, there's a point how low you can go because you're using from an organic perspective, you're using your cover crop as your weed control. And some years it just doesn't match up with what you need for what the weather gives you. So a little bit of personal perspective there, but I don't know, Brent, do you have a comment? Do you have a follow-up? What, what was your, uh, are we answering your question or? Yeah, I was just curious what you thought there. Um, I think that 6,000 is probably a good target also if it's evenly distributed. Um, yeah, that but too. When we broadcast, you know, we rotate from corn to beans. So the in the next week or two, we're, we're going to have a hagee go through and, and seed the rye into the into the standard corn crop. Yep. Um, you know, and if you're trying to get a good even stand, you know, that's, that's better than an airplane in my experience. But, you know, a drill would be even better. But we just can't wait until, yep. you know late October or November, right. you know, drilling right. if we're trying to get weed control. So I'm trying yep. 60 pounds of yep. rye this year and 120 yep. pounds on, on two different fields to see if – There you go. We did 40 last year with the Hagee, yep. and that, that didn't cut it. Of course, it was a terrible year around here for cover yep. crops. In fall yep. and so yep. we'll, we'll see how 60 versus 120 does because I'm, I'm trying to get to the point where we can 
crimp that on the front of the cat tractor and mm -hmm. then pull it all behind it at the same time and, and crimp, okay. crimp, mm -hmm. crimp down our, our herbicide and, uh, yeah. and at the same time. Yep. Yep. Good. Other question, Marty, I see you're on. Do you have any comments, questions? Anybody else? The one caveat I'd say with the higher seeding rates, be watch how, be watching how fast you burn up your moisture. We were up at O'Grain over the weekend there, and, you know, the organic people are running up to three bushel an acre of rye. Mm -hmm. that, that was their biggest complaint. They're burning up the moisture too fast, and then the ground's too hard to penetrate and all that wonderful stuff. So be, I see. Well, I, and I, I'll just say too, Lauren, on that, with the seeding rate, uh, I didn't mention it during my presentation, but you can have too much. And if you have good fertility where the rye goes down on you before you plant, it makes it very difficult to plant if it's if it's blown every which way. So just another little caveat that you'll find out one of these one of those years that too heavy a seeding rate can also be a detriment um, to get the seed actually in the ground because you have to cut across the stems instead of kind of like with them. So. I also have a question about growing our own cover crops, if you want to move on to, to that yep. topic. Yep, go ahead. So because of the shortage, uh, next mm -hmm. year we want to grow our own oats, rye, and triticale. Mm -hmm. so we don't yep. have to worry about, the, worry about it. So we have a 30-acre field that we can divide into 10 acres of oats, 10 of rye, and 10 of triticale. Yep. And, um, the people that, seem to, are, that I'm talking to that are having more success are, are going with a higher seeding rate and not 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 allowing or encouraging the crops to tiller um they're trying mm -hmm. to get the, the crop to not necessarily tiller but have that one main stem be you know mm -hmm. have it mature evenly and get an even height mm -hmm. and, and 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 give you the weed control mm -hmm. uh, a higher rate we're talking mm -hmm. you know three bushels of three bushels of rye trit and and oats um and, and this is all going to be in the same field what what do people think about that is it can we can we treat all three of those crops the same in the same field and get good weed control if we seed it thick and maybe not need a herbicide? Um, is this a good or a bad plan? Comments from anybody? Has anybody grown their own cover crops before? Lauren here again. We're we're doing all ours in relay. So I mean, I I tend to run the lower rate, and uh, we got the bean coming in behind it to make up the difference. So, Lauren, you want to explain that, like, in 30 seconds, what you mean, relay? We're, we're doing, uh, we put soybeans into the small grain and then harvest the small grain and then harvest the soybean. But, uh, th for example, this year on spring barley, we ran uh, two-thirds of the seeding rate, and we got 73% of the yield. And the uh, interesting part is we were on corn stalks, and the other guys were on uh, soybeans. So, you know, we didn't have any nitrogen added. They did. Okay. Okay, so you're seeing, I mean, that's a little bit, that that's a little bit more advanced than a lot of people, but I know there's there's people uh, working with that. Back to your question, Brent, I I would say those those rates are high. I I would, I, I'm planting around a hundred pounds of triticale, which is essentially almost two bushel, just shy of two bushel. Um, you know, we're trying to grow for seed. I, I don't know. You, my opinion, three bushels is too much. Um, if that's what works in your area, if, if guys are doing that and successful in your neighborhood, 
then you might want to consider that. But sounds like it's too much. I keep the fertility off. Um, I, I don't want thick, heavy lodging type uh, grain with triticale and rye. Uh, you know, that's again personal opinion. But I'm going with around 100 pounds per acre of triticale and rye. The oats. I'm assuming you going with a winter oat, or do you have a spring oat? It'd be a spring oat seeded next. Yeah. Year or so with yeah. the drill. Yeah. Um, you know, these things you're just going to have to find out if you've never done it before on your farm with your fertility. Uh, I think I think three bushels is too high. Uh, I'm just going to put it out there. I would I would be more down to the two bushel range, but we that's me. We did a bushel this year and then interseeded clover into it in March and. So we couldn't spray herbicide on it at all. So my mindset for next year was, uh, yeah, was for the for the for the uh, small grains we're going to harvest for our own seed, just to treat them like a spring crop and yeah. and try to get weed control with a thick small grain and not yep. need herbicide ideally. But yep. if we have weeds, we'll yep. spray them after a small grain harvest yep. and grow alfalfa or or uh-huh. or, um, or yes. clover for green manure for the for the twenty twenty one crop. Right. Um, my coworker did some relay beans this year, and those, those were into three bushel rye, which had no herbicide in them. Okay. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, I like the I like the idea of the of the relay. Um, I'm just uh, not sure if we should uh, relay it or or just wait until after harvest. You know, treat it as a crop and 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 have one monocrop and then more right. green manure, or try to go for that relay crop. Yeah. Yep. Well, there's people trying all kinds of things out there, and as they talk to one another, as we talk to one another, and it's you kind of learn what works for you. There's certainly, again, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna say this more, but there's no cookie cutter approach. Any other questions from anybody? Another side note: what 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 would you pay for for oats for a cover crop this fall? What are people seeing for cover crop prices on on just cover crop oats? Anybody know? I, I do not know, uh, uh, Brent. I just haven't really priced. I've grown my own, <clears throat> so I don't even follow it anymore. But I do know that all all of them pricings are, are edging up because of the shortage. Um, it's just bringing everything up. Okay, last call. Any other questions? We got a quick one here. Yeah, uh, oats after a CRI grain crop. Any issues? For oats you- for. Oh, you mean, okay, are you going to wait till the following year? Is that what no. I guess to plant in the spring? Fall cover. I got For fall cover, I, I, I can't think of any issues. Okay, well, they, they were worried about a grass behind a grass, and I was like, God, I think a lot of people are doing it, but I've never had that experience myself. So. Hey, if it's early enough and you can get a legume in there, I think that's good in Nebraska if you can, but uh, I'd do it. Yep, I don't think there's a problem with that. Cool. Okay. Hey, thanks for the great discussion. Uh, was there someone else going to have a final comment? Thought I heard someone starting to talk. Um, but anyway, thank you guys. We will see you in two weeks, and I will uh, plan to put post a lot of stuff on the Facebook group of my trip to South Africa. That's coming up, um, so that's why I won't be here next week. And I'm really looking forward to that, and uh, excited to what I'm going to learn too. I'm going to be sharing, but I always learn when I travel. 
So uh, in the meantime, you guys have a good couple weeks here, and uh, we'll see you soon.